Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. So hi, Emer. Good to see you. Yeah, that week, that flew. Gosh, it only feels like yesterday when I was speaking to you, as uh, they say. Absolutely. Uh, well, time flies when you're having fun, I suppose, not to say. Oh, it does indeed. Yes, it does. <laughs> and I'm hoping what you're going to share with me will fly by, or am I asking too much? No, not at all. Not at all. I have a uh, wonderful uh, social media joke that's going to bring a huge amount of fun to your life today, Emer. So uh, would you like to hear it? <laughs> Silence is golden. Okay, that's a yes then. So uh, so here we go. Why did the Cookie Monster apply for a marketing job? I don't know. Why did the Cookie Monster apply for the job? He heard they were tracking cookies. Yeah, really bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my sanity is gone. And uh, I used to like the Cookie Monster. Now you've ruined uh, that for yeah, me, yeah. you know. Well, well hopefully our guest uh, doesn't leave us because, yes, we have a special guest, don't we, Emer? Yeah, I hope he can handle dealing with you now after that. So um, yeah. I don't know if I can, though, but anyway... Well, I'm going to I'm going to Is introduce. Yeah, we have a we have a special guest with us today. We're delighted to be joined by uh, Neil Schaffer. Uh, and Neil is a recognised leader in helping businesses to maximise social. You know, he's a global keynote speaker, um, university educator, social media agency influencer, owner, author, and social media strategy consultant. Uh, from Fortune 50 enterprises to Grammy award-winning musicians, Neil has helped so many leading brands reach their next level in social media and he has a wonderful new book out uh, that I've been reading it's something that would advise everybody to go out and get and it's called the age of influence and it's all about our topic today which is influencer marketing so Neil you are very welcome to let's get social I just have one thing to say Cookies! <laughs> we love it, Neil. That's it. Absolutely. I, you know. I feel it's two against one here today. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I had a feeling you were my people. This mm. is great. <laughs> so I was going to say, Neil, before we kick things off, or I kick Philip, whatever comes first, uh, we ask our guests what, uh, their opinion of the social media comedian's offering and see if you can outrank him. Boy, well, okay. I, I got a joke for you. There's a disclaimer after the joke, but I won't tell you the disclaimer until after the joke, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. Why do social media marketers hate trampolines? I don't know, Neil. Uh, do you have any idea, Emmer? No, I, I never I never go there. I don't like heights. I, I just, I like to keep my feet firmly on the ground. So, no, I don't. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> they fear high bounce rates. <gasps> Boom. Uh, do you know what? I has to go to you, Neil. Sorry, well, Philip. Yeah, yeah. you, you know what? Bombed again. Yeah. You bombed again. <laughs> the, the disclaimer is that either way, Philip wins because Philip seems to be that joke and all. Yeah, all transparency. I but, ran out of jokes for you today, but, but hey, your, your delivery of that joke. It. Your delivery mm. was much better than my delivery, so we'll have to... It, it's the, the tone, delivery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, tone, it's the, you know, you're yeah. holding, we were holding there for the, the, the answer, it was, you know, perfectly delivered, so... Um, but listen, today, Neil, we, we wanted to talk with you because obviously you have um, 
your your new book out, Age of Influence, but it's very much around a topic which I think, especially over here in Ireland, is something that there's a lot of confusion about or maybe not understanding, and it's the whole area of influencer marketing. So just to kick off the, the conversation with you, you know, what is influencer marketing in your sort of kind of expertise and understanding and what you've seen? Well, I, I like to take a look at, as a company in digital marketing, what can you do, right? So social media is part of that. Yeah. So, you know, you got your website, you got your SEO because you need to be found. You got your email marketing, you got your content marketing blogs, you know, lead generation assets, what have you. Then you have social media, right? Mm-hmm. And 10 years ago, Philip, when we talked about social media and Amer, um, we would talk about social media being the ultimate word of mouth marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd post something on Facebook and our fans would see it and they'd like it. Then friends of fans would see it. And th- those days are long, long over. In fact, as you both know from doing social media, it's very, very hard organically to get traction. And that's for a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. algorithms favor people over businesses. You can imagine yeah. how hard yeah. it is for businesses. And it's different with each platform. Some are easier than others. But yeah. regardless, just that promise of organic viral word of mouth marketing just doesn't exist. Without, without, being, without having a pay-to-play attitude, it's going to be very hard to get traction in social media for most businesses. Mm-hmm. So what are ways in which you know, we see there are people that get tremendous traction. Over the past five years, we've seen people come out of nowhere. If we have children that are teenagers or college students, we hear of YouTubers, of TikTokers, of Instagrammers that influence them the way that when we grew up, you know, sports athletes or, you know, TV and movie stars influenced us. So clearly there's been a change in the landscape, but what this hints is that there is a way to leverage social media without paying for it. And that is through collaboration with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the heart of influence marketing. Now, in the marketing industry, there are people that push influencers because they make money from them. There are talent agencies that are now influencer agencies. Mm-hmm. There are agencies that will push influencer marketing because it's easy to monetize. Companies yes. are putting a big amount of budget behind it. But you know, I think companies you know, four or five years ago at the peak, well, I mean, it's still peaking, I should say, but there was a lot of blind money being thrown at this just in terms of brand awareness or let's get lots of likes. And I think the brands have gotten a lot more serious about it. But the fact of the matter is that there are, you know, plenty of social media users out there that you can collaborate with as another form of digital marketing. And I'm not just talking about the influencers that agencies push because they have a lot of followers. So they look very sexy for Mm -hmm. brands that don't know any better. Um, But really, but really it's about working with relevant people that can help push, push your business forward because they are interacting with the people that you want to interact with. They have some sort of influence and I'm not just talking about people with a hundred thousand followers. It could be 5,000. It could be 1000. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But these people have influence in social media. And in some ways, even if they only have 1000 followers for a lot of small businesses, the amount of impressions that they get per post is Mm -hmm. way more than what you might get per post. Right. Even if you have more followers. So Mm -hmm. when you take these people as individuals, they have power. When you group them together into a program that's Mm long-term and when you include people that already have brand affinity for you, i.e. we're not just you know, looking for people that we've never heard of because they have a lot of followers and we think that might help us, but we're tapping into our own customer database, our own partners, our own employees, our own followers, yeah. people that mention us in social media but that haven't you know, fallen into these buckets. 
mm-hmm. we begin to create relationships with people that already know, like, and trust us. Yeah. And, you know, inevitably, when you start that way, these relationships are long-term. They go above and beyond this, you know, stereotypical, we just want them to amplify our content type of relationship into a truly mm-hmm. mutually beneficial relationship in, in a lot of different ways. So that's how I redefine influencer marketing because I think that marketers have been led astray in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not just for YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. This is as relevant for LinkedIn and Twitter and for blogs mm-hmm. yeah. as it is yeah. for, for any of this. And really, you know, part of writing my book, it's funny, I did an interview yesterday where, you know, he's like, Neil, you always have a lot of practical advice on social media, but the book is almost philosophical at the beginning. And it's because you need to understand the mindset of the fact that influencer marketing today, the way I describe it is nothing different than what we've had in the past Mm -hmm. with celebrity endorsements. And, you know, even more recently, things like, you know, blogger outreach, things like affiliate marketing, Mm -hmm. right? You're tapping into people that have a digital influence and therefore you want to commission them every time they sell a product, right? Mm. Or just asking for a backlink on a web, asking to be a guest on a podcast, right? You're tapping into someone's community that you want to be exposed to. That podcaster has, in fact, podcasters have tremendous influence because of the limited number of podcasts that are out there compared to the number of listeners. So we can go on and on about this. So so really influence Mm. is everywhere. It's, It's just a matter of you know, tapping into those communities, finding those people that you want to partner with and collaborate with and creating a program. And the problem is most marketers are one to many, put up an ad and everybody sees it, put up a blog post and Google indexes it. This is very much more almost PR based because it's one to one, right? Every influencer, every person has different needs as a person. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it takes a little bit more time, but it is sort of a component of a modern digital marketing strategy that I think, you know, brands should be taking a little bit more seriously. It's not campaign based. It is long term. It should be long term. It should be that, you know, essential component along with those other things I talked about. Mm. And I think the brands that figure out how to make it work for them are going to be much better in the long run. So sorry, that was my... That was no, my no, no, no. marketing man. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's call it a day. Yeah, I was gonna, that's it. End was of the show. Say, listen, <laughs> you, you, you don't actually buy things unless you look at, say, you go and look at reviews, you go and see what other people are saying about something. So it's, the trust factor is number one. I don't go and buy something unless I know that there's something concrete behind it, you know, that it's, it's a good product, say, you know. So you have, talk about why is the principle of trust so important in social media for me it would be number one and how it and connects with trust it, people yeah, yeah. And, yeah and how it connects with what's your take on how it connects with influencing marketing one thing i like to talk about is sort of these trends of why influencer marketing is still going to grow mm-hmm. and even with covid19 why it those trends have not changed and part yeah. of it is the trust mm-hmm. yeah well inevitably trust people like ourselves. We trust recommendations from people like ourselves Mm -hmm. more than anything, right? And there are so many different, you know, Edelman Trust Barometer or Nielsen Advertising Research. There's just every data study proves this. So this is one of the reasons why influencers have gotten so big. And, you know, on the backside, you know, some of these people might have a, you know, a, a celebrity videographer, photographer that they work with. But there's also just YouTubers that are just showing their room. They're just showing themselves. They're just showing up, right? They're not, yeah, yeah. They're not all decked out. And it builds even more trust. I think it's really interesting with COVID-19. We see now, you know, celebrities 
that are just showing up in their home because they have to mm. with yeah. normal clothes because they have to. And it's actually building more trust, right? And yeah. people are loving that. Mm. Uh, more and more people are just, you know, doing live streams, just showing up. So th- that is a huge factor. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. And that is one reason why people will always have the trust over brands. Mm. And that's why, I mean, I mean to, to give you an example, this is one that I often use of influencer marketing case studies. You know, I, I write a book, right? Mm-hmm. What is, what is going to be the KPI of, you know, the success of that book, obviously book sales, but it's actually going to be business that comes from the book. But in order to generate that, what do I need to do? So I talked to my publisher and according to my publisher, the number one thing I can do is try to encourage people to review the book on Amazon. Hmm. So that's my KPI because that influences more book purchasing decisions than anywhere else. Yeah. And the review has to be authentic, right? Right. So, so that's my KPI. So okay, what is going to be my influencer marketing strategy around trying to encourage more people to review my book? Well, number one, I'm going to go back to my past customers that have reviewed previous books, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm also going to find the people that I know are passionate for me. They open up all my emails and, uh, you know, passionate members of my community. I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to reach out to other influencers, like people that have endorsed my book, you know, Hmm. the Jay Bears, the Mark Schaefer's. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to go on Amazon and do a search for people that have reviewed other similar books. And when they use the real name, I find out, wow, I'm already connected to a lot of these people on LinkedIn. They already know me. We already have a relationship. So <laughs> this is sort of, but I could have paid a thousand dollars to have an Instagrammer take a really good looking photo holding my book. Yeah. I don't know if that would have pushed the needle more than if I tapped into people that had true influence that already liked me yeah. and trusted me that already were, were doing the actions that I was looking for. So that's just one example, right? Of how, what I'm talking about works in real life. And it, it comes from that trust factor. Um, I I don't know that Instagram influencer, and I don't know if that's going to push the needle. And even if it did, I don't know if those reviews would be trustworthy, right? Yeah. These are people that I know are trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like definitely what you, what you said there, Dale, it kind of leads on nicely to, I suppose, this ne- next sort of kind of key point was the fact that, you know, social media has become, and very much now even probably even more emphasized by COVID-19, it's become so ingrained in everyday life. And I suppose you kind of very, you, you put it really well in, in the book about, you know, how brands need to think digital first, you know, and this sort of then connects with the with the influencer side, because there's still a bit of a, a sort of a misnomer that um, use digital to just push a sales message as opposed to develop a relationship and that one-to-one connection, you know, would, would that be a fair point um, to, from a focus point? Yeah, I think that, you know, um, and, and thank you for, for recognizing, I mean, even today we're, we're more and more digital first. So the book came out in the middle of COVID-19, obviously written well before that. Yeah. But um, now as a reminder that you, you have to be digital first, you have to meet the audience where they are. But I think for a lot of companies, it's soul searching, right? How are they going to serve their customer mm. when, you know, a quarter of the world is, is unemployed, yeah. um, when they can't physically meet them? So the need to go digital first and really more and more to use social media, not as a place to push, but to collaborate, right? Mm. Um, mm. People are not on social media to listen to advertisements. And although some advertisements might work, don't get me wrong, um, there are many others that, that don't work. And at the yeah. end of the day, they're still seen as advertisements. So yeah, I, I think with COVID-19, a lot of companies realize now, I've started to get a bunch of emails, right? Mm. From all sorts of companies. And they're realizing, you know, once again, 
they can't just sell because they really want to be there. They're trying to help people in their own way. They're trying to stay in touch, communicate. Mm-hmm. And when you realize digital first is all about staying top of mind and communicating in the different channels, you begin to see them as communication channels, not as blatant promotion channels, right? Now, mm-hmm. there's a savvy way of communicating while promoting Yeah, that, you know, I think a lot of us in social media, we get mm-hmm. and our clients get the benefits of that. But most companies are still not there yet, right? Mm-hmm. They're still thinking themselves first rather than thinking of their audience mm-hmm. first. So yes. I'm hoping with COVID-19, there's a transformation of marketing. It'll be really interesting to see yep. of companies that, that, that get that, right? But yep. yeah, um, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a conversation and people, you know, you need several touches to convince someone to, to buy from you and they need to know, like, and trust you. Yep. And just yeah. blatant advertising is not going to help them uh, down that journey, I think. Yeah. No. I, I think there's so many advertisements out there that you actually get turned off. I know I get turned off. I, I would just like fly through or change the channel one or the other. Um, I was going to say with influencer marketing, what, what would you see are the main benefits to a business of all sizes, like small businesses upwards, maybe? Yeah. And you know what, before I answer that, one more thing I wanted to say, just another oh. case study. I'm really, I'm sorry, Amir, um, about, um, Philip, about, you know, of, of communication. So yeah. I'm actually in the market for a learning management software tool. So I'm looking, I've had the plans to build, you know, digital courses in a community. Yeah. So there are yeah. three big players in the market there. I, I don't know Philip, have you ever, or Amir, have you ever looked into this market before? You nope. know, the digital course market. Okay. So yeah. you have, there's a company called Teachable. Right. Okay. A company called oh yeah, Thinkific. I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah, they're very proper. Teachable, Thinkific, and then there's a newcomer called Podia. Right. So I go on all the three sites last night. It's like, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger on this, right? Mm-hmm. So I look at Teachable, look at the pricing. Okay. I go to Podia. It says this is how we're helping people during COVID nineteen, right. and it talks about their twenty four seven support. It has links, and I go to Thinkific. It says we have a one million dollar entrepreneur fund to help you launch your first course during COVID-19 apply here. Right. Guess, guess who I guess who I'm going to do business with. Yeah. I'm going to do business with, yeah. and I, yeah. I signed up with think yesterday, yeah. right. And yeah. there are, they also have a business model where it's free to sign up where the right. other two don't make it free. So this is part of, it, it relates to everything we've been talking about, of course, course right. About, yeah. Yeah. about that communication. And that really resonated yeah. strongly with now it might've been a scheme. I don't know if I'm going to get any money and it's not actually money. It's products and services that they're giving but they're, mm-hmm. they're doing something. They're helping, right? And as yeah. I say, when I recently do these presentations on influencer marketing during COVID-19, I say, you may not gain sales, but it doesn't mean you can't increase your customer base so that when you're through with this and we're yeah. done with the pandemic, that's when the sales will grow and your competitors won't. So that's a great example. So yeah. thank you for that. I just want to okay. get that. No, problem. no absolutely. <laughs> Glad to put then, it in there. You know? Yeah. So let's get back to your question about the benefits for any business. For yeah. So I think That'd that obviously there is, I like to call it, and it's actually a term that I use from speaking at a conference in Copenhagen, a company called um, Falcon.io. And Falcon was recently bought out, I believe, by Brandwatch. I might be wrong there. But they're mm-hmm. like a social media management tool for enterprises. Yeah. So they had a great event and the theme of the invite, the, the event was sort of inciting engagement, inciting word of mouth. Yeah. And that's really the biggest benefit is if I want to get the word out about my book and no one's talking about it in social media, mm-hmm. I can, you know, stand on a soapbox and, and yell as loud as I want and put up ads. 
Yeah. But that's not going to incite word of mouth marketing. It's when other people talk about my book is when it's incited. So how do small businesses do this? Or how do large businesses do this? You need to have customers. If you're a Coca-Cola, if you're a Starbucks, you know, think of how many people take their pictures holding the Starbucks with the, you know, with, with, in the background, it's all fuzzy. Yeah. We see that all the time. Starbucks yeah. doesn't need to do this, but most businesses do. So the first way to do this is to actually seed the market with your product so that mm-hmm. people start to talk about you on social media. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of companies now leverage what we call micro nano influencers, people that for product yeah. will talk about your product. Mm-hmm. will talk about you on social media. So this is the, the, the okay. biggest benefit I think is just showing up in yeah. terms of other, it, just inciting that word of mouth so that people are talking about you on social media. Yeah. That, otherwise you're completely missing out. You know, wh- where, what do people do online? If we think digital first, people are either searching on Google, yeah. they're using email or text or they're on social media. So you need to get that social media piece down. That's the number one thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just that brand yeah. awareness, without a doubt. Going from there, and as we move down the funnel, obviously the amplification of content is the traditional one that everybody already knows. I don't need to go about that. But what about content creation, right? What about when we seed our product to people? We say, hey, if you like the product and publish content about it, we'd like to have the rights to those photographs or videos. Mm -hmm. And then you're basically curating content, leveraging user-generated content of influencers for your own organic social media. We've seen a lot of brands, especially on visual networks like Instagram, leverage 100% other people's content because it yeah. looks a lot better than yeah. what your advertising department's throwing together, which looks like an ad, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's another area. And guess what? You can use that content on your shopping cart throughout your website. It's not just for social media. So just that, that content creation piece. And when we talk about B2B, you know, it's about blog content, right? It's yeah. about webinars. It, it's, it, you know, podcasts, what have you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, leveraging that for your own company, that's huge, that content creation that I think a lot of businesses forget about when yeah. they work with influencers. I think B2B companies have always been doing this, but B2C yeah. are just waking up to this, right? Yeah. So yeah. What, about, what about influencers? If they're truly influential, no matter how big their community is, they're very wired in to the needs of their community. So if you want to get an opinion on how your product's doing in the market, yep. what about your competitors? Influencers mm-hmm. usually have a really, really good insight into that. So it's almost like a virtual focus group leader yeah. that you're able yep. to, so yep. now you get product feedback. Yeah. So really mm-hmm. it can help all different types. You know, once you think about it holistically, yep. influencers I believe really hold the key. It's almost like the special you know, committee of people that you have that you can always tap into yep. for ideas for campaigns, for yeah. co- that's yeah. like the ideal. And it's not, it's an army of people. It's not just five or maybe it's 20, 30, 40, right? Yeah. Or a hundred. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on the size of your company, but wouldn't it be great? And maybe you meet quarterly hmm. yeah. or maybe you meet monthly. I know of brands that are now training their influencers on wow. how to create better photographic content, how to become better copywriters, how to, how to become better videographers. Why wow. wouldn't you, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you invest in them? And yeah. think if they're your employees, yeah. I mean, think how exciting it's going to be to be part of this, right? They, 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 they become your own advocates. You know, yeah. if you're yeah. happy at work and you're happy for a business and you're happy to showcase it, other people are going to go, oh, I, I, gee, I want to buy from them or actually want to work for them. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a win-win. Yeah. And that's the goal. When you convert these people into true brand advocates, mm-hmm. that's when you've won. Because then they're going to talk about you with your, without you asking them to. And yeah. that's the ultimate. That's the long-term gains, but it takes time to get there. But I do think with the right 
mindset, the right program, the right collaboration, you can get there. Yeah. Um, you touched on it there in, in, when, in, in the last question, Neil, um, uh, about the power of potentially employees as an influencer, you know, and, and I suppose, can, could you share your insights on how can businesses really get their employees to become influential and those brand advocates for them? Well, a lot of your, here's the thing. A lot of your employees are already influencing your customers. Hmm. So if you're in B2B, it's your salespeople. Yeah. They're on the front line. They're influencing customers. Some of them may have become really savvy using LinkedIn mm-hmm. and they may already be what we would in the influencer marketing industry call a nano influencer. Yeah. Just in terms of number of followers, you have others like one of my clients is a hair color company and they have people that actually go out to, you know, uh, beauty schools and barber schools and train, you know, beauticians yeah. on how to use their product. They do customer education. Right. These people are extremely influential in their field, right? And they're employees. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the salespeople, yes, we'd love to tap into them, especially if we're B2B, yeah. uh, so that they, they, they share our content. But guess what? The salespeople also know the needs of the customer. They yeah. understand the questions that they get asked. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. you leverage them also for content ideas? <laughs> Why wouldn't you bring your customer education people into your program for content ideas as well? So it's not just the amplification. Yeah. But it's also that content creation piece where I think companies can really, really benefit. But then you have others that, you know, I'd love to be part of this program type of people that I know mm-hmm. are out there. Yeah. And as, you know, in the United States, at least, the majority of the workforce are millennials. They're digital natives. They grew up using this. They use it way more yeah. than people from yeah. our generations do, right? Yes. It's part of their life. Yeah. So for them, it's, it, you know, for, for, I won't say for all of them, but, but for more than we might think, it's sort mm-hmm. of a no-brainer that they may want to help us. So, you know, we, we have this term called employee advocacy, and it's been around for five or six years. And, you know, I know a lot of employee advocacy tools companies that no longer push employee advocacy. They push employee engagement right. because, you know, employee advocacy was often a one-way, you know, one-sided approach that said, here's a tool, you authorize your social media, we give you great content, and then you promote it to all your social networks. But it doesn't work that way. People don't necessarily want to be part of that, right? And it doesn't look authentic either when you see the same tweet coming out from 10 different people in the organization, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. right? So, and and the problem with why a lot of these didn't work as well is that employees weren't treated as influences. They weren't treated as collaborators. How can we help you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a company, we, we want to help you grow. We want to help you become more influential. We want to help train you because this is going to be important for your career as well as for you working for us. And, and even mm-hmm. if you leave us, yeah. you might refer people to us in the future. You might become, become sure. a customer partner, right? We want to yeah. have you as an employee yeah. for life. So it's really a different mindset. I think when you have that, you can create a really great program that, that delivers results no matter how big or small your company is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, as you say, you know, it's all this factor. If you feel, you know, that you're an important asset to a business, you're going to be more enthusiastic to um, tell people more about the product, the service, mm-hmm. showcase it more. Um, and that leverages possible profits for a business as well. And move on up and people then start to see it as a trustworthy brand, a trustworthy business. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, yeah, you said it so well. There's so many things where when you see employees as part of that, it it, it branches into so many things. You know, the trust, the engagement, Mm. referrals, um, 
anyway, obviously the, the salespeople's a no-brainer. That's why we have these social selling programs yep. with employee advocacy programs that normally the salespeople become the big drivers for the employee advocacy because they get, you know, a commission if they do well, yeah. but you shouldn't have to have, I mean, it, it should really be for everybody. Um, and, and it helps in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Well, could you maybe um, share with me, you know, the, the classification of influencers, you know, you have a celebrity, you have macro, middle, micro, nana, the list goes on, as I say, but can you explain these you know, yeah. because there's a lot of people out there that might get a bit confused, you know, that wouldn't be okay with that, those terms, you know? Yeah, traditionally, you know, overwhelming majority of influencer marketing budgets have gone to Instagram. And on Instagram, yeah. it's primarily been a matter of number of followers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's no one golden rule, but in the industry, there are these categories just based on number of followers, regardless ah. of... If, regardless if they're influencer to you or not, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. you have celebrities on top who mm-hmm. I, I don't even consider social media influencers. They're now sort of part of, you know, when you're on TV commercials, you're part of traditional media for, from my perspective. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then then you have obviously, you know, your, your, there's a lot of different terms we can call them, but I think where we talk about today is the micro influencer and the nano influencer. Over time, you know, a lot of these influencers have become celebrities and they become so expensive that companies are like, well, there, there's got to be more people out there that we can work with. And a lot of brands have been going smaller and smaller. So the micro influence, your micro really meant, you know, you don't have much influence. It's just at a micro level, right? Yeah. But these are people traditionally between 10 to 50,000. I've seen people say five to 50,000, you know, what have you, but they're not at that bigger level, but they have smaller audiences, but usually they're more locked into their community. They're more niche. There's less of a chance that they bought fake followers, less of a chance they bought fake engagement because they're smaller. (laughs) So there's a certain, you know, the smaller you get, the more benefits you get in terms of authenticity, you know, nicheness, a tightness with their community. Mm -hmm. Engagement rates actually go up. Uh, You're a lot more targeted in your approach. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think uh, maybe a year or two ago, we started talking about nano influencers. So what about people between 1,000 to 10,000 followers? Uh-huh. And that's really yeah. where, where we are today, where a lot of, especially these freebie products, you know, I can pay a, a, someone, I can pay a micro influencer a few hundred dollars, or I can reach out to a few nano influencers, give them product, mm-hmm. and the end result might actually be better. it's a little bit more work for marketers because they have to deal with multiple people rather than one. That's the only downside. But if you can train those nano influencers and help them become micro influencers and help them become celebrities, you can imagine that long-term brand advocate benefit that you get. So that's the traditional way of looking at it. In my book, I talk about that, but I'm like, you know, what about the brand affinity model, Hmm. right? Which doesn't exist, which is like the the like, know, and trust model, Hmm. which begins with your customers, right? Uh, your employees, they, they sort of like, know, and trust you the most. Then you have like partners, mm-hmm. you have social media followers, you have people mm-hmm. that have mentioned you on social media, and then really you have everyone else. And yeah. that everyone yeah. else is huge, mm-hmm. but they don't know, like, or trust you. You've been around, they haven't talked about you, they haven't followed you. It's going to take time to really get them to become a brand advocate. So yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. you know, try to send social, use social media to develop relationships with them. But, you know, make mm-hmm. new friends, but keep the old one is silver, one is gold is what I was singing in elementary school. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully that this is well, a good <laughs> I, I was going to say, treat others how you want to be treated, you know, treat there the customer you how, if yeah, you were, yeah. you were all customers at the end of the day. 
that's very true. I think like the way social is very much gone, it is it is getting back to that sort of that kind of people still want to do business with people and authenticity. And, you know, um, I, I think celebrity, the word celebrity and influencer suddenly kind of tarnish what influencer marketing is, you know, where exactly mm-hmm. as you mentioned with employees or your best supporters or your best com- customers who can essentially be influential with their communities. Um, but I suppose... Uh, if you were approached, uh, Neil, which I'm sure you are plenty of times, where a company says, listen, Neil, you know, why would an influencer want to work with me? You know, kind of how do you approach that scenario? If we're going to be saying we're too small or we've got the wrong product, we can't find an influencer that could work with us. You know, how would you sort of approach that type of that question? Well, you obviously start with brand affinity. So I'm, I'm, one of my clients is a startup. They have the exact same issue, right? right? Um, it's a team of maybe five. Yeah. And first of all, so, you know, we, we build the LinkedIn company page that it's B2B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I'm like, dude, why don't you also share your own LinkedIn personal profile? If mm. it's relevant to your community. And then, you know, the CEO goes, that's a great idea. I'm going to start sharing too. And then two other people on the team, they start sharing too. Right. And immediately you have employee advocacy, you have, you know, uh, employees that, you know, some of them are more influential than others, mm-hmm. but they're actually helping to push the business forward yeah. Uh, yeah. through, through helping. Right. Um, and obviously they're, they're helping with content and, and not just the amplification, but the content creation as well. But then you know, we, we start to engage with other people on social media. So you got your Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, traditional for B2B. They're, they're not on Instagram yet. And I don't think they should be for a while. Yeah. So, you know, LinkedIn, um, from a personal perspective, you have the way to engage. Twitter, you really have the, uh, a way to engage with anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's start to look at, you know, who might be influencers in our industry? Who is talking about, you know, our type of product or our competitors or the subject that we can at least begin to have conversations with. So now they're going to do their first webinar. They're, they're having their first content marketing initiative. Right. And it's a huge thing. Brilliant, yeah. And, and, and one of the people that's going to be in the webinar is someone that they reached out to on Twitter. They started following each other. They started, you know, tweeting each other's tweets. And then they reached out and said, you know, hey, we're doing a webinar. We think you'd be a great guest. Would you like to appear in the webinar? And this is a company, I don't know, maybe they have 2,000 followers Mm-hmm. which my client only has 50 followers because they just started. Right. I mean, that's yeah. huge, right? This is a yeah. really, really, you know, grassroots example. That's and you work, yeah. you work your way up that influencer pyramid, right? Then it's yeah. like, hey, we already work with this company. Would you like to work with us, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we already had Philip and Amor on our podcast. Would you like to be on as well? Oh, Philip and yeah. Amor, sure, you know? This, great, great this, people. No, not wow. <laughs> not him, not him, not him. No. Tell us jokes. God, no, <laughs> don't But it's, it's no. human nature. So that's, so it begins yeah. with just doing searches. If I wanted to find out about any topic, who mm. comes up on the radar, you mm. know, following them, seeing what they talk about, um, engaging with them, maybe, yeah. you know, retweeting their stuff, what have you. And over time, not everyone responds, but some inevitably will. And some, when you send them a DM, actually respond, right? And, yeah. and that's how it all begins. And, and really, any company in any industry can do this. And really, like I said, with B2B, a lot of it is that content co-creation. Yeah. It's webinars, podcasts, where they're going to introduce it, or a blog post, they introduce mm-hmm. it to their community, and yeah. then boom, you, you have... And when you collect email addresses, 
you know, for a lead generation asset, a lead magnet, even better, right? You, that, that's your true oh, yeah. ROI. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, any business can do it. It's just, it, it's a mindset. It's not part of, you know, we all have agencies. It's not part of your typical, well, we'll publish X pieces of content per day. And um, yep. It, yep. you actually have to work for it, right? It's, you mm-hmm. have to engage. Um, but it, it is something, like I said, every business should be doing, whether they teach their agency how to do it or they decide to take this part in-house yeah. It really is something that um, it, it's about really developing those relationships for all those benefits we talked about. Brilliant. So show you care. Absolutely. Indeed. Just like myself and Emer Neil, you know, we, we care about you and that you liked our joke and that you're here with us. So, so thank you. Yeah. Cookies. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. okay. <laughs> I love cookie oh, monsters. No. So, yeah. <laughs> you tapped into my heart there. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. We did the research. <laughs> <laughs> Have we time for a couple more questions, Neil? Are you okay for time, or have we? Got I got more? a few more minutes, so let's yeah. do it. Okay, Emer, do you want to? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, Neil, because I, I mean, you know, it all. I, I am going to harp back to the trust factor, especially you know when you're going out and you're buying something, maybe you maybe seeing on television, and you're you're thinking, will I go out and buy it, spend that money on that product, um, or do I hold off and go look at the reviews? Uh, see who's talking about it. You know, uh, people are a little bit more, what's the word, cautious these days, especially at this time, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think a business should be doing at this moment? You know, should they be... I know I, you're into the influencer marketing angle, but, you know, is that continue on that road or should you pivot a little bit maybe at this time? What would you say to businesses? Yeah, this is this is the subject of an entire <laughs> entire hour of webinar that I've been. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of content, but I think number one, you have to serve your audience. You you have to show up, and they need you more than ever, mm-hmm. and you need to find ways to help them. Okay. So yeah. you need to get, you need to actually communicate with them, yeah. and whether it's through live streams, whether it's through more email communication, I don't know what. But, but you need to be there for them. I think that's like the number one issue. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you need to adjust your messaging. And this is not a time to, for blatant promotions, as we know. Yeah. Um, it, you know, giving those examples that, that I told you earlier. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the next thing is, you know, we will get through the pandemic. But um, now is really a great time to work on, from a marketing perspective, to work on your marketing infrastructure. Hmm. So for instance, I live in Los Angeles, California. The freeways are always crowded here, right? Yeah. But now there's a heck of a lot of construction that's been delayed that they're carrying forward on because there's not as much traffic on the freeways because mm-hmm. people are staying home. Yeah. Right? A great example of working on your infrastructure when the demand is low. Mm-hmm. So for companies, you've always wanted to rebrand your websites. You've always wanted to leverage marketing automation more. You've always wanted to create you know, videos. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that all of this w- will help you in the long term. It's a great time to do it, to keep your marketing staff engaged, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, think, I think, you know, when we tie this together with this showing up and serving your audience, I think it's that customer education piece I talked about before. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing here, that mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know, work on your infrastructure, work on that customer education, leverage that customer education as part of your communication, yeah. we want to help you. Did you know that you can use our product in this way? The hair color company is a great example because people can't go to the beauty salon to color their hair now. They have to do it at home. Yeah. 
So they've always had some resources here and there, but they've never really developed the types of resources that would, so, you know, simply creating a blog post, sending out an email saying, Hey, we just created this new, you know, content. I mean, they immediately saw business through their e-commerce store, you know, literally the same Mm -hmm. day when they published the blog post, sent out the email and they're serving their audience through customer education. This is a win, win, win. And this is the type of thing that I think any business could and, and should be doing. So that would be, you know, to, to summarize my advice, that's where it would be. Influencers are not going away. So if you think long-term relationships, I would continue those relationships. You may not be activating them for campaigns, but it's all about developing relationships now. It's about developing deeper relationships with your customers, but also the community. And that's where influencers can play a great role. So if you think about leveraging influencers now to develop those relationships so that as part of your infrastructure a few months from now, when mm-hmm. you're ready to proceed forward, you're going to be in a great place because there's a lot of influencers that have taken a hit as well, right? Yep. So uh, yeah. when yeah. when brands reach out to them now, they'll probably be more than happy to, to want to work with you. That's really good advice. Yeah, wow. And sometimes, you know, it's the simple common sense stuff that still rings true. You know, it, there's no... Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Imagine that. There's no <laughs> silver bullet. It's still, you know get on and try and be as authentic and engage with people in a, in a human connection will always win out. So, uh, and help people. And, and, you know, I, when, when, um, I'm going to get back to this, this webinar I do, I usually start out with this quote from, believe it or not, a VP from Walmart, who we consider these, you know, gorilla, you know, big retail stores here in the U S that, you know, that, uh, businesses are here to serve society is the quote. Wow. And at the end of the day, this is the time to do that soul searching as a business. Why are you in business? Yeah. What We've always had these missions and corporate objectives. Mm. Now it's time to make that a reality. Yeah. How are you serving people, right? Yeah. Why are you exactly. serving people? It's mm. time to really get back to your core. And from there, the answer should come. So a, remember yeah. why you started in business. Maybe that's the way people should look, why you know, exactly. go back to basics. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much. You have dropped so much value and knowledge on us, um, and it's been great. I think it's going to really impact a, a lot of ideas and thoughts for our audiences, as well as myself and Emer for our own respective businesses. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us. Um, and listen, just if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again and see the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast, which is on Podpeen, iTunes, Spotify, and on Dublin South FM. And until next time, I've been Philip Twyford, with the Curly Marketer, Social Media Management and Strategy. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. And we will see you again soon, friends, for more Let's Get Social. So take care. Bye. Bye.